This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place where we tease apart what it means to be a conscious parent and aren't afraid of getting super messy with it. I'm your host, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and in the trenches of the parenting journey with my own two teenagers. Each week, I come at you with a solo show or an interview. You can be sure that the guests on the podcast have something important to say, and I am honored to have you listen in as I pick their brains about what it is that they are passionate about. If you are a parent looking to grow while walking the path of parenting, if you're open to learning new things, if your relationship with yourself and your kids is something you are interested in diving deeper into, then this is the place for you. After you listen, I would love to hear from you. Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review, letting others know what you love about the show. Or feel free to shoot me an email at casey at joyfulcourage.com. I love hearing from listeners and I'm always quick to respond. If you want to be sure not to miss any of the happenings going on with Joyful Courage, join my list. You'll stay updated on the podcast and events that are happening for parents, both online and live. You can join the list at www.joyfulcourage.com slash join. Yay. So glad you're here. Enjoy the show. My guest today is Sarah Rosensweet. Sarah is a certified peaceful parent coach and educator and the parenting advice columnist for Canada's Globe and Mail newspaper. She lives in Toronto with her husband and three big kids, ages 12, 15, and 18. Peaceful parenting is a non-punitive connection-based approach that uses firm limits with lots of empathy. Sarah works one-on-one virtually with parents all over the world to help them be the parents they want to be and enjoy their kids again. I am so excited to welcome Sarah back to the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. You were on the show way back in 2017, episode 114, where we spoke about the new sibling transition, a much-loved episode, by the way. You should know. People really like that episode. Thank you. And today, it's all about the teenagers, right? So before we go there, can you remind the listeners about how you found yourself doing what you do with parents and if anything has changed as you've navigated the teen years with your own kids? 
Hmm. So I started my business as a parenting coach about six years ago, and it was sort of like, I, I have to admit, a little bit out of desperation of not knowing what else to do because the jobs that I did before I had kids were really not very family friendly in terms of hours. And I'd been a stay at home mom for 12 years. And my husband was like, why don't you start your own business? I'm like doing what? And so I thought, what do I love? I love parenting. I love all things parents. And I was always the, the like, you know, the type A stay at home mom who kind of like had to keep my type A brain active. So I was really interested in different like parenting philosophies and theories and parenting books. And so I was always the mom that everyone was like, what should I do about this? You know, what, mm. give me something to read. What do I do when they do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I could maybe, uh, maybe I could do that professionally. <laughs> So and I, I look back and my teenage son actually said to me, he's like, mom, I, I have to admit, I thought that was a really stupid idea when you first started your business <laughs> that I didn't think it was going to work out. But like, you know, I, I have a really a great full-time practice at this point. And so, uh, you know, it did work out and I'm so happy that I get to support parents. Um, and in terms of, has anything changed since I've navigated the teen years? Um, I think I'm glad that I've had the practice on, you know, helping parents be more compassionate with themselves, because I think that's a big lesson in, in having teenagers is to like, just really bring the compassion for the kids and bring the compassion for yourself when you fall down or things don't go quite how you want. And so I think I've, you know, I've learned a lot through coaching that I've been able to use myself with, as the parent yeah. of teenagers. Yeah. And I, I'm really, and you and I connected over holding space for parents of teenagers because we both kind of felt like there was a gap in the support, right? Like you can find people talking about the early years and school age kids, but as far as teenagers, I mean, now I've, now that I've dove in, I, I do find those voices, but um, it felt when I really was finding myself kind of bumping up against, oh my gosh, what is going on? And I looked for conversations. I couldn't find the conversations that I wanted. And and as I've created conversations, I find myself really cautious, um, especially with parent educators on the podcast that work with families who have kids of all ages, as you and I both do, because I feel like there can be a mistaken idea that if you do everything right in the beginning, somehow you can avoid having a challenging time through the teen years. Mm -hmm. And I, so I love what you're talking about compassion because I mean, yeah. What are your thoughts around that? Well, it's funny because yesterday I was speaking to a group of moms who, who had babies, <laughs> like just, you know, maybe they had one other older child, but mostly babies. And somebody asked me that, like, um, do you think that, you know, parenting like this makes it is, is like a guarantee against, you know, having trouble down the road. And I said, Absolutely not. Like there's no guarantees and mm -hmm. there's a lot of nature. There's a lot of nurture. There are things that our kids are going to walk on their own that we can't, you know, we can, we can try and be there and hold their hands, but you know, it's not, there are no guarantees in life. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I, I know a little bit about your story and I, and I think, well, if you hadn't been raising the kids, how you have been, things could be a heck of a lot worse. <laughs> Right. You know, so yeah. I think we do the best we can, but there are no guarantees and the teen years are hard. Like no matter mm -hmm. what kind of parent you are, how you, you know, how you raise them, they're, they're not for the faint of heart. 
Well, I feel like it's one of those things too, right? Where you don't know till you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, having younger kids and hearing from parents with older kids, like, oh, just wait for the teen years. And I remember thinking, like, that's ah, probably not going to be that hard for me. I've got <laughs> a lot of training, and you know. And then, oh my gosh, what is the universe going to teach you, Casey? <laughs> I know the universe. Yeah, it's like I'm on a crash course right now with the universe. Um, but I did, you know, I did reach out to you and something that you mentioned was a book called The Self-Driven Child by Ned Johnson and William Sticksred. And we spoke off when I wasn't recording. We think that's how we pronounce his last name, William <laughs> Sticksred. Um, and I bought it and it's so good. And I would love for you to share a little bit with the listeners about what that book's about and why you are moved to share it with other parents. What was it yeah. about that book okay, that really spoke so to you? Just in a nutshell, <clears throat> that book is about, um, I think there are two big ideas in the book. One is that, um, as the authors say, there can be only one driver of the train that is your child's life. And it has to be your child. Like, you know, people might say they want a self-driven child, but then they go in and try and control every decision that their child makes or, you know, what they eat for lunch and where they go after school or whatever, you know, what classes they take. Um, and they're really like, if you if you do want your child to, to turn into an adult who is self-driven, that child needs practice, right? So there really can be only one driver of the train. And the other big idea, I think, is that we need to manage our own parental anxiety, Um, And, you know, obviously there's more in the book than those two things, but Mm -hmm. those are the two things that really stood out to me. Um, I think one of them says something like um, we need to we need to adjust the idea that our child might know something about themselves, right, (laughs) that they that they um, know themselves and what they need and what they want. Um, So I think I'll just share a little story of something that happened the week after I read the book. And I was so aware that my reaction was completely different than it would have been if I had never read the book. And what Mm -hmm. happened was, this was last year, my middle son was 14 and in ninth grade. And um, he asked me, he texted me and asked me to look for something in his room that he had forgotten. And so I went in his room and I saw his report card. And he hadn't been like hiding it or anything. I just hadn't seen it yet. So I looked at it. And he, it was midterm report card. He was getting a 52 in math mm-hmm. and no one in our family has ever gotten a failing mark in anything. Like it was just a shock. And he's, you know, he's a very competent student. So there wasn't really any reason for him to be getting a 52 in math. And so I texted him, um, like first, my first reaction was he's going to be coming home every day after school and we're going to be on top of this. And like, you know, that control, 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 like that was my first you know, kind of my first instinct was, we've got to get on top of this. You know, he can't get an F in math. And then I, I thought about the self-driven child and I was like, hold on a second. What they talk about in the book is that your child has to want to do well in school. They have to want to study. They want to have to want to do their homework. Like we can't make them want those things and we can't make them do those things. And even if we could, it's not a good idea. So Instead, I just text him and I was glad that I wasn't right there with him because I got to kind of consciously craft my my response. And I texted him, hey, I just found your report card. And he, he texted me back that face that's like the big wide eyes and the straight across mouth. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, you know, what's going on or something? And he said, I need to start doing my homework in math. And I said, okay. And I said, do you need any support? And he said, no, Um, I already decided that I'm going to bring my grades up and that I I just need to start doing my work. And he did. 
And I, you know, he wouldn't, he's my most strong-willed kid. And if I had come down on him with a, you have to come home every day after school and do your homework and show it to us, blah, 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 blah. He would have really never gotten to that place where he wanted to do better and he took it on himself to do better. So it really affected me. And even, you know, he's also this kid, he's my, he's my most challenging kid. And, um, he's on the, he's on the basketball team at his high school and, but his first love is baseball. And he's, he tried out for the basketball team and he made the basketball team, but then he kind of was sorry because it's added a lot on his plate because he has baseball three times a week. And he told me yesterday, this was just yesterday, I want to quit the basketball team. And I was like, thinking to myself, you know, you don't quit something that you started. Don't be a quitter. Exactly. Can't be a quitter. <laughs> exactly. And, and I, you know, I questioned him a little bit, but then I said, okay, like, you know, and before I read this book, I would have made him stay on the basketball team. I still think it's a mistake. I think it's a mistake to quit. I think it makes him look bad. I think he should stick out his commitments, but it's not my decision. Oh man. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed 
to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Okay, so a couple things that you said that I want to highlight. And I love that story. I think that story is completely relatable. Parental anxiety, you know, mm-hmm. and just like what you said about that basketball decision, like you don't want him to look bad. You don't want to, you know, we have this like like x-ray vision into all the things that could go wrong if they make a particular decision, right? We have this lens of, wait a minute, this is disrupting a narrative and you don't actually know how you're going to feel. I mean, that's kind of some of the things that come up in my mind that I know I've heard from clients, you know, around like, well, what happens when you figure out that you've made the wrong decision? And, Mm -hmm. you know, we have all of these limited yet intense thoughts from a place of love because we care about them. And, you know, when I read this book and uh, transparent, I'm going to be transparent. I didn't make it all the way through, but I read um, about halfway through and I loved it. There's no reason that I didn't make it all the way through other than I tend to read and then put it down and then on to the next. Um, But I love the idea and to think about, you know, we care so much that they don't have to, Mm -hmm. right? Like, especially when it comes to school and grades and things, when we are holding all of the caring and all of the responsibility, then they don't have to hold that. And and letting go of that and allowing our kids to feel the weight of that, one, it makes, it's useful. It's a good thing. And it's just really interesting to, it, it requires us to really trust them. Yeah. Right. And, and to we'll trust them. Like, trust that even if it messes things up for them, they'll be yeah. able to figure it out. They'll be able to figure it out. They'll be able to figure it out. Like every moment feels so monumental. And yet every moment is such a small snapshot of a big, huge tapestry that is in the process of being made. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and it's crazy. And like you said, you know, most of us know in our heads that the teen years are all about getting out of the way and letting our kids make decisions, learn from mistakes, letting them drive their own train. And yet it's actually really difficult to give up the driver's seat. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I mean, it wouldn't be so hard if they were doing all the things we think they should be doing. Well, right? I, I just said to somebody this morning, I said, you know, if, if, everyone in my life would just let me run their lives. They'd be so much happier. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You and me both, sister. I know. It's like, I see the big picture. Just do what I say. Yeah. And yet we both, we, you know, and and yet all parents, I think like we have conversations around how much there is to learn from failure and mistakes or opportunities to learn, but we hold our space and our boundaries so tight that it really makes it so that they're not having an opportunity to learn from mistakes because we're swooping in to fix them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. talk it, a little well, bit about... We're, well, I think we're afraid of them feeling suffering and hurt yeah. and, you know, making mistakes. Like, I don't know, maybe like my son will decide in a month that it was a horrible, t- horrible decision to quit the basketball team. I mean, I think he probably won't, but, you know, maybe he'll decide it was a horrible decision and you know, be really sorry. And then I'll feel bad for letting him quit. But I don't know. I think we just, we love our kids so much. 
that we don't want them to be unhappy. But yeah. out of that unhappiness comes recovery, right? Like, you know, if you if you think about, um, I forget whose blog post it was, but they talk about, um, you know, if you can picture feelings are like a tunnel and the, the, the train is like you getting going through the feelings to the other side, like through the mm. through this dark tunnel. And when you get to the other side and you realize like, I made it, you know, I made it through that difficult time. And those, even if it's a difficult feeling that lasts for an hour or whatever, and you're really upset and then you're okay again, that's resilience, right? Yeah. So yeah. if we block our kids from experiencing the suffering, we're also blocking them from developing the resilience that comes from surviving difficult things. Yeah. And I feel like we forget too that we make decisions based on our experience, right? So having an experience like quitting the basketball team and then perhaps later feeling like, oof, that was a mistake. I wish I wouldn't have done that. And then later on in life, having that same similar experience of, do I want to stick with this? Do I want to let it go? Oh yeah. I had that experience one time with basketball and now I'm remembering how that made me feel. And that's going to support me in this current decision. I think that giving, you know, I think parents, myself included, we forget that they, you know, even though our teenagers, they are, they're big and they look like adults and it's so weird. And, you know, <laughs> we forget that they still are working with such a limited bank of experiences, mm -hmm. right? And such a limited bank of decisions and mistakes and learning experiences. And so, you know, to let them, to open the door and really step back. And, you know, one of the tools in positive discipline that we talk a lot about is curiosity and, you know, being able to, like you did, I know, and it's so nice when it's a texting conversation because <laughs> there's such a nice buffer of space to really think about, you know, I mean, there's also an opportunity to shoot out a text without thinking, but there is this spaciousness that allows us to think like, hmm, how could I respond here in a way that's going to be the most useful to my child, right? Mm -hmm. Because it is a dance. It's a dance between listening, looking, you know, we, we talk about the iceberg metaphor, looking under the surface, getting really curious about, well, tell me, tell me more about that that possibility. Tell me more about how you're feeling with basketball. Tell me about how you're feeling with, you know, in school, in that particular class, with that particular teacher and listening. And then one of the things that I've been trying to train myself to do is to ask if they want my feedback before yeah. I offer it to them yeah. because it's a dance, right? It's a yeah. dance. Yeah. And, yeah. and train yourself to say, do you want, do you want to hear what I think? Um, and sometimes they say yes, and sometimes they say no. Right. And then and when they say no, it turns out no. you're not supposed to give them. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I was thinking when you were talking about that when they're making the, letting them make decisions. One of the, mm -hmm. the lines that I pulled from the book of the self-driven child was, "If you want your child to be good at making decisions, then you have to let them make decisions." Yes. Because that's how they learn poor decisions or good decisions. Um, if they never have any practice at making decisions, they'll be terrible at making decisions. Oh, man. Yes, yes. All of that is true. And I can totally hear my clients and myself talking about, yeah, but aren't we supposed to be the parent? Yeah. And, you know, they do. Um, they do address that in the in the in the book. And it's funny because I was going for a dog walk with a girlfriend of mine who has kids around the same age. And I was telling her about the book and she said, well, 
my parents were really, she, she said, my parents um, didn't even ask me about my schoolwork. And I really felt like they just didn't even really care. And I really, you know, I want to be involved in my child's life and, you know, just what's going on with them. And I said, well, you're sort of, you're not really talking about, um, you're talking about neglect, you know, like you're talking about uninvolvement. And I think we have to recognize that we can be involved and, you know, ask them if they want help making a decision or like what I said to my son, like, do you need some support? Like thinking maybe he needs a tutor, you know? Um, So it's not that we're, it's not that we're uninvolved or we're not being the parents and we're just saying like, Hey kids, see ya, here's some money, sink or swim. Um, But we're really, you know, we're that safety net. You know, we, we, we're not going to say you can stay out all night and never go to school and all the stuff, but, but we're also not trying to control their every move. And I think that's, that's the shift, right? Like that's in the work that you and I do, Sarah, with, you know, peaceful parenting, and I use positive discipline, and it's just a very different lens around that conversation around, well, we have to parent our child. Yes, we get to be in relationship with our kids. It's never a question of whether or not we're in relationship with our kids. I think that sometimes, and perhaps, well, I don't know if this is where your friend was coming from, but if the lens is that parenting means we make them do things, then I think that is where the disconnect shows up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and anyone who's listening with younger kids, spoiler, they get to an age and you really can't make them do anything. Yeah. yeah. You know, like they and get they to know with that. eyes and they, they, and they, they know, absolutely they know that. They do know <laughs> that. We're all aware of the fact that they we can't make them do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's like, you know, if if your style is around is control, then that's a big learning curve as you move into the teen years, recognizing that this is not about controlling your teen. This is about sharing power. This is about being in relationship. This is about curiosity and really, really letting go. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, I really think there's a lot of that for the younger years too. And, and if we're lucky enough to have sort of been aware of control issues when our kids are little, then we're going to be more practiced at it when they're older. Right. Like I, um, I just had one of my columns, uh, it'll probably be, you know, from by the time this podcast goes out, it won't be the yesterday's column, but yesterday's column, someone asked, um, my seven-year-old refuses to wear his snow pants and it's cold. What do I do? And I was like, don't make him wear his snow pants. Like mm-hmm. that was the short answer. And of course I went into strong-willed kids and blah, blah, blah. But I, you should see the comments, Casey, on that column from in the newspaper. Like people are, are like up in arms about the idea that we're not, that we shouldn't try and control kids. Um, and yeah. I think it's a, so I think it's a paradigm shift in general, no matter how old your, how old your child is, it's this paradigm mm-hmm. shift of respectful um, parenting. And it doesn't mean that the child is in charge, but it means that we, we, we show up with that parental in chargeness when we need to, not just because we can, or we think our idea is better. This podcast is supported by BetterHelp Online Counseling. Listen, this parenting journey is full of unexpected twists and turns, and there is no shame in recognizing that you could use some extra support. Therapy is a powerful tool for digging into those places that you thought you dealt with, right? You thought you put them away, 
but then here they are coming to the surface as you walk the parenting path. Those things that trigger you the most, right? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. For me, I get really spun out when plans change or the response from my family isn't what I expect it to be. I get rigid, my feelings get hurt, and then I'm responding to them from that place, that rigid, hurt place. It's ugly. Turns out this has more to do with experiences I had growing up than the actual humans in front of me. Therapy's helping me to rewire my brain so that I can find more flexibility and not take things so dang personally. Not to mention those micromanaging tendencies that I seem to have. Yeah, those aren't useful either and something that I'm focused on in therapy. Your triggers are different than my triggers. And when you're ready to admit that there's possibly things getting in the way of you showing up the way you want to with your family, therapy can really help. BetterHelp is really cool because it is affordable and available anytime, anywhere. They offer confidential counseling with licensed practitioners specializing in stress, depression, anxiety, relationship, anger, grief, and so much more. And there are a variety of ways you can interact with your therapist, text, phone calls, video conferencing, whatever works for you. They really meet you where you're at. An added bonus is that Joyful Courage podcast listeners get 10% off their first month when they use the promo code Joyful Courage. So go to www.betterhelp.com slash Joyful Courage. That's www.betterhelp.com slash Joyful Courage to get started today. BetterHelp, you deserve to be happy and to find some joy on the parenting journey. And one of my favorite poems on parenting that comes famously from Khalil Gilbron and right now in my journey is it just is I read it on the reg on the regular and just this one little piece of it, which I'm sure everybody has heard, but I'm just gonna read it. Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. And this quote is just everything to me right now. You know, our kids are on their journey. We're here as their guides to love them, to be that soft landing. It's not a free for all yet. It's, you know, it's equally as damaging. Like we're talking about control to rule with an iron fist. So really looking for that middle, that sweet spot, And I'd love to kind of tease that apart with you, finding that sweet spot during the teen years, especially when our kids are, you know, because I know that there's people listening who, you know, they are feeling like they're in crisis, that the relationship is really not there. I just also ordered a book called Decoding Boys. And the very first chapter talks about if uh, puberty had a marketing team, their logo would be a closed door. (laughs) (laughs) And that cracked me up. And certainly my kids, you know, spend time in their room with the door closed, but we also have a lot of, you know, together connected time. And I know that there are families where just getting them to come out of their room is is a challenge. What does it look like? What's the middle ground there? How do you support parents in encouraging teens that are are in a discouraged place and maybe because of or despite the parent's style, how do you encourage parents to 
pull them out and um, nurture and, and repair relationship? So first of all, in our house, it's the bathroom door because my boys share a room. So it's not the, it's the bathroom door that would be the closed door. Um, yes. But, you know, I think start with connection. Um, and first, you know, I also just want to say if somebody who's listening to this is in crisis, get some family counseling support. Um, you know, I think with little kids, when, you know, when I have clients who have little kids, I often say, you know, you're the best person who can support your child. But sometimes family systems become so entrenched by the teen years that if you're feeling like you're in crisis with your teenagers, then maybe getting some, um, you know, a family therapist might mm-hmm. be helpful. So just a little caveat there. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think starting with connection. Um, do you know the book Staying Connected to Your Teenager by Michael Rara? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that's put that on your list. It's really good. Okay. Um, but he says that um when you're a teen when you have a teenager, you can expect to have one out of every five rejections you or one out of every five invitations you give to be accepted. And four out of five times you'll be rejected in terms of like doing something together or you know, whatever. And he says the answer is increase your invitations. <laughs> So, yes. so just really not taking it personally, um, mm-hmm. that this is that, you know, it's, it's natural for kids to be wanting to, um, carve their own identity, find their own self and space away from us as parents. And, um, we do still though, want to make sure that we have that open door and, and that we like them, you know, that they have to feel like we like them. So what can you focus on that's positive about your teenager when you're having a hard time? What can you, um, what can you find to like? I, I don't know if that makes sense, but, mm-hmm. um, and, and in terms of the, the iron fist thing, you know, the more you try and crack down, the more they're going to try and prove to you that you can't control them. So you're going to get into this real bad situation where you're going to get, you know, sneaking and lying and, you know, not sharing anything if, if they feel like they have to do that to be able to have any measure of freedom. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting cycle, right? Mm-hmm. We, where the, you know, there's so much control and tight fistedness happening from the parent and the teens are doing the teen thing, individuating and exploring the world, but the relationship isn't there for them to come to the parent and have conversation about it. So they lie and get sneaky and then they get caught and then it's a big, how could, how dare you, you know, punishments, consequences. And with the, with the assumption that, well, if I pick the right consequence or punishment, this kid's going to know I mean business. Yeah. And all you do is hurt your relationship. And if you're- Right. And all they're <laughs> thinking is I got to get better. Like I, all I thought as a teenager was I got to get better at, at getting in and out of that window so yeah, they don't know. <laughs> yeah. So it was never the- like, and I never thought about what, what it must have been like for my parents to realize I was gone. Never. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think you bring up a good point too, in terms of like limits for teenagers. Um, You know, maybe we have to adjust what, maybe we have to let them have a little bit more freedom than we're comfortable with. And it's partly because they need to feel like we're not controlled. I have a client who, uh, she came to talk to me about her 16 year old daughter. She said her daughter was consistently about 15 minutes late for curfew every night. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's really interesting because, you know, 15 minutes is not that late. It's it's almost as if 
she's just showing you that you can't be the boss of her, mm -hmm. right? If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. So maybe you guys need to have a conversation about what's reasonable. Maybe your maybe your curfew is unreasonable. Maybe she feels like you don't trust her. Maybe, you know, so I think opening up those lines of communication about what's reasonable, what their expectations are, what your expectations are. Has your teenager given you any reason not to trust them? Well, if not, then you should trust them. Yeah. And it's messy. I mean, I just know, I know, well, and I'm going to share um, another part of, of the story of my story. So it's your call. That's the language that the authors of The Self-Driven Child use. It's their call. So we're going to talk about what it feels like when your child's call isn't necessarily what you'd want for them, right? And this is, it feels very extreme and super vulnerable to share uh, considering what I do. But my example is my freshly turned 17-year-old daughter, who I've talked about a lot on the podcast, and she's given me permission to share this story. She should be a junior in high school this year, and she is completely dropped out of school. Like, she's dropped out of school. She doesn't go to school. She's withdrawn from school. Now, there's layers here. There's mental health that's playing a big part in what's going on. And yes, I have been invited into the deepest levels of patience and compassion and acceptance than I ever thought possible. I think she's like you with basketball. I feel like she's making a gigantic mistake. And ultimately, I can't force her to go. I do give my opinion. I ask for permission to share what I think. I encourage her. I look at like the baby celebrations that we have. We have a team that she's working with around her anxiety and depression. And it's her call. Like I'm living yeah. this, you know, yeah. some days do I feel like I've completely given up? I, totally. On good days, I recognize this is a snapshot, like I said earlier, of a much bigger movie that is her life. 
And what is most important to me is that she feels seen and heard and loved. But And that you still are supporting her and you still have a relationship with her and you're not, yes. you know, because in the old days, don't you think, or I mean, maybe even with people today, if their kid dropped out of school, they'd be kicked out of the house. Yeah. If I could kick her out of the house and thought that she had the life skills to pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> But at this point, she's talking a lot about her big move out. And I'm like, girl, if you have it together enough to move out of this house and make a life for yourself, I will throw you a huge party. Like that would be a total (laughs) win. But I never saw this coming, you know, like I never saw this coming for my child who was, you know, thriving at school, used to come home, play school after school, you know, and she just hate high school. Yeah, it was really, you know, starting her freshman year. Freshman year was like a rogue wave. And she she attended school all of her freshman year, but was extremely unhappy. And you can go back into my podcast and track it probably <laughs> um, with the things that I was talking about. And then last year did online school. And then we had a big move this summer. And she was all excited to do a program out here that we call Running Start that's um, finishing high school at the community college and just the social, like the social anxiety, the anxiety, it just like the classroom space, like she just hit a wall and has since spiraled. And so, you know, here we are and resistance is futile. Like I've asked, again, I've asked my daughter if I could share about this because I think it is so important to share our personal stories to get permission and then to share our personal stories because I feel like I did all of the things. I'm the fucking parent educator. Like, (laughs) how is this what's happening? And, you know, a lot of the time I feel, I feel okay. You know, I feel like there's so, you know, I know she chose me. I know cosmically, our spirit said, we're going to do this together and it's going to be rocky and we're both going to learn. And like, again, the universe, my daughter is teaching me so much about myself, about my own biases, about the narrative that I didn't even realize that I had. And yet it's your call feels really risky. Yeah. Well, I just want to say that, I mean, you might see it, you know, negative that, oh, I'm a parent educator. This shouldn't be happening to me. But I, I think, thank goodness you're a parent educator and you have all of this experience and all of these tools and you can, you know, really like show up for your daughter, whatever that looks like. Thank you. And I've told her, and I've said that, I think I've said this on the show before, I've I've told her straight up, like, you know what, you make me a better parent coach because I can work with parents who are having a really hard time with their kids. And I can say, yeah, I get it. And I can list off a million other things that she could be struggling with that would be terrifying that I'm really grateful aren't on our plate. So right? I, just, um, I just have kind of a hopeful anecdote for you that oh, good. a Thank girlfriend you. of mine, um, her son is the same age as my oldest son, which is uh, la- last year, my son graduated from high school in uh, 2019. And um, her son stopped going to school in the beginning of grade 10, um, or, you know, sophomore year for you guys. And yeah. because of his crippling anxiety, that had sort of been building since middle school. And he spent like, I don't know, to like, she tried to find him online courses and a tutor and like all the stuff to finish high school. And finally, I think she kind of just gave up, not in like a a mean way or anything, but like same, you know, it's your call. Like if you're not going to leave the house and you're not going to go to high school, I can't make you. And 
he started, he got a job last year as a, like a fledgling stagehand. Um, his dad's in the business and the stagehand business and he's doing amazing. He's yeah. like working part-time. He started like going out with his friends again and he just hated high school. <laughs> he hated yeah. school. It made him so anxious and he had some bad experiences with some teachers and you know, he's doing really well now. And I think he still has some anxiety, but he's making a life for himself, even though he didn't finish high school. That is really helpful. And, you know, it's interesting too, again, it's, you know, my, and I think all of us parents, especially when, not especially, because I think that it happens throughout the journey, we start to recognize if we're aware, if we're willing to be conscious of this, we start to recognize all the conditioning that we went through as children you know, with parents. And it's so interesting to notice when fear and and parental anxiety show up, how connected and rooted it is to our own conditioning. Like in my family growing up, education was number one. Like basically anyone who didn't go to college was a loser. Like how could you possibly... Right. You know, and so now I'm sitting in this, like, not only is college right now, not yet in the future, but we're not even, what, what, (laughs) what's happening right now? You know, back to the book, which is one of their beautiful things, um, is the choices are not Harvard or McDonald's. Right. Um, One of the things those guys say in the book. And I think that's really important to remember that, uh, that we get in this stuck idea in our head of what a good life looks like. But there are so many ways to have a good life, like a productive and rewarding life. And some of them don't involve higher education. Well, you know what's interesting, Sarah, is um, I think that it's – and I've had nothing but amazing support from friends and colleagues who I've shared with. And, well, now I'm sharing with the whole world. But – and I imagine getting great emails from all of you. So feel free to send them my way. Make me feel better. And and I know that if I was having a conversation with someone who was going through this, I know exactly what how I would support. And it's so interesting to be the one inside of it, right? To be the one that's living it and yeah. and living through it. And um, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. And I get to lean on. Um, and I think this is an opportunity for all of us. Like there is so much growth and opportunity inside of a situation that looks like, you know, we want to pull our hair out. Like, you know, your share about the basketball, my share with Rowan, other things that show up where we're like, what are you thinking during the teen years? Like just remembering that there is like, we're always growing. We're always growing. Every single challenge is an opportunity to say like, huh, have something to look back on, have something to tease apart. I say that to myself and I say that to everyone else, right? And I do appreciate that because we do go to those extremes. Like you're either going to be a bum on the street or you'll be a neurosurgeon. You decide. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> so what do you think is the number one thing that teens need from their parents? Uh, love. Mm. I really do. That sounds so cheesy, but like love and connection. Actually, my older son once said to me, he said, you and dad are always thinking that you know what's best for me. And he said, what I really need you guys to do is just love me. Yeah. Oh, those are powerful words. Yeah. 
says some pretty uh, old soul things sometimes. This is my oldest son, who's more my sensitive guy. But, um, you know, I think just like love them and accept them and recognize they're doing the best they can and find things that you like about them and smile at them and, um, you know, delight in them um, Mm -hmm. and really like let it reflect, like let them see themselves in your eyes reflected back in a positive light instead of like, you know, what did you do wrong this time? Or what bad decision are you making this time? Or, you know, like just really like in trying to enjoy them and like them. Try to enjoy them and like them. Yes. Cause there are people, we made them. Yeah. And I, I read somewhere that, you know, the teen years are so challenging so that when they're ready to leave, we're ready to let them go. <laughs> sort of like when you, when you are like at the end of a, end of a visit with somebody, you kind of like get in a fight with them. So it's not so hard to say goodbye. <laughs> Do you, so has your oldest son moved out? No, he's on a gap year. Uh, well, in, in Canada, we have that like UK name for it, the gap year, which I think is great. And he is currently applying to some different university and college programs. So I'm not sure where he's going to end up, um, end up next year, but hopefully he'll be able to afford to move out because he desperately wants to. And, you know, he might even move cities, but we don't know right now, but I'm actually enjoying having him around, although it, it cramps my work at home style a little bit because I'll hear things like he'll come up to my office and say, do we have any food? <laughs> like, yes, look in the refrigerator. But what he really means yeah, are, are you, you going to make something that I can also have? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he we've sort of given over. He's like our eccentric roommate is what <laughs> my husband and I call him. So he started to do the gro- family grocery shopping he drives his brother to baseball practice. And so I think he feels like grateful that we're supporting him this year. And so he's trying to help out, which I really appreciate. Um, And I'll be super sad to see him go, but I also really want him to go because I don't think it's, I don't think it's good for him to, to stick around um, longer than that, that gap year. Yeah. Well, and I recently told my daughter, you know, as much as I'd love for her to be in school, that I'm, we have really special time together right now, you know, like it's not, she's not holed up in her room, you know, she's around and we're connecting and we're having deep conversations and, you know, it's for us, it's more of this mental health stuff that we get to, that she's navigating. And I also, one night I tried to say to her, I said, you know, so I, I don't feel like I really was conscious of my humanness until I had kids. You know, up until I had kids, it was more of like, woo, automatic pilot, working it out, doing what I do, you know. But then having kids and really like recognizing and understanding what personal growth meant and personal development. And I said to her, I said, but you know, because of the anxiety that you're experiencing, you are being forced to recognize your human experience and to be conscious of the ways that your human experience is showing up. And, you know, you, you might find that looking back on this, that it's a huge gift. And of course she looked at me because she is a teenager and rolled her eyes and just said, yeah, uh, no, this is not a gift. I I would be worried about her if she didn't roll her eyes. (laughs) (laughs) But I do, you know, I mean, I just don't know, like you talked about your oldest being an old soul. I definitely feel like my daughter, I mean, she could, she could ultimately develop into like an energy healer or something because she's very intuitive and she's, and that's probably why high school and those close 
quarters classrooms experiences so much. I think it's like her energy field. Oh God, just picking up on all of that. Sort of, yeah, yes. all of that um, difficult energy that's going on at that age. That would be really hard if you're like an real empathic person. Yeah, yeah. And I think she is. So she'll figure well, it out. Well, you know what you were just saying made me think of, um, you know, I, I really think that whenever our kids push our buttons uh, and, and, and they're always you know, what bothers you might not bother me and what bothers me might not bother you. And it's always some sort of um, indicator of some healing or some work that we need to do on ourselves whenever our kids push our buttons. And what I've realized is that there's sort of two kinds of parents. They're the kind of parents that are going to pick up that invitation and say, like, I want to investigate this deeper. Why is this, you know, thing defiance or ignoring or whatever the thing is that pushes our buttons. Why is this so difficult for me? And I'm going to do the work that I need to do. And then they're the kind of parents that say, it's just my kid is, you know, a terrible person. Um, and it's their fault, their fault and their problem. Um, and I, I'm not saying those are bad people or bad parents, but there are a lot of people who, a lot of parents who are <clears throat> afraid to pick up that invitation because mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's some hard work. Yeah. It really is, but it's so worth it. And it really shows up in how we can be in relationship with our kids. Mm-hmm. Sarah, I need you to be my parent coach. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime. <laughs> so I have one last question. Um, in the context of raising teenagers, what does joyful courage mean to you? I think it means trust. You know, trust in the the. I've always likened raising teenagers as like closing your eyes and just taking a a big step into this dark off the edge of a cliff because there are no guarantees, um, but it's just trusting that, oh my God, this is going to sound so cheesy, but that, you know, the universe universe has got us, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and that the the joy, that's the courage part. And then the joyful part is just what what I said before about liking them and, and delighting in them. While you're trusting this, just dive off of a cliff into the dark. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that that can be a both and instead of an either or. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Where can listeners find you and follow your work? Sure. So my website is sarahrosensweet.com, just like it sounds, Uh, Sarah with an H. Um, And I've got a couple different uh, Facebook groups. I've got an all ages peaceful parenting with Sarah Rosen Sweet, and I also have a peaceful parenting with teenagers free Facebook group. Um, so if you want, you know, want to find other like minded parents who are on this journey uh, and have the same kind of thoughts and challenges that we have, uh, any of those places would be a great place to to hook up with me. This was lovely. Thank you so much for coming on. You're so welcome. It's a pleasure as always. Now I can say as always because it's been twice. I know. Well, I'll see you again. I hope so. Thank you so much for listening. It is my great honor to create this show for all of you. Big thanks to my producer, Chris Mann at Podshaper for his work in making the podcast sound oh so good. If you're interested in continuing these powerful conversations that start on the podcast, become a patron by heading to www.patreon.com slash joyful courage. That's www.patreon.com slash joyful courage. For $5 a month, you will have access to a private Facebook group where I do weekly Facebook lives on Mondays and interview recaps on Fridays. 
Plus, it's a great way to give back to the show that gives you so much. Be sure to subscribe to the show. Head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, wherever you are listening to podcasts and simply search for the Joyful Courage Podcast and hit that subscribe button. Join our communities on Facebook, the Live and Love with Joyful Courage group and the Joyful Courage of Parents of Teens groups are both safe, supportive communities of like-minded parents walking the path with you. If you're looking for even bigger, deeper support, please consider checking out my coaching offer. www.joyfulcourage.com slash coaching is where to go to book a free explore call with me and we can see if we're a good fit. I'll be back next week. Can't wait. Until then, big love to you. Remember to find your breath, ride it into your body, take the balcony seat and trust that everything is going to be okay. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.